to those of you who are visiting, uh, if you looked at the bulletin, uh, I'm not Doug Sturdivant. <laughs> Doug is away from us for a week or two, and uh, so I'm substituting for him this morning in the reading of the scripture, which is taken from Romans 8, 31, and I'll be reading from New American Standard. So if you'll turn there and read with me. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us, who will separate us from the love of Christ. Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Just as it is written, for thy sake we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, or any other created thing, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, good morning. It's nice to be here today with you all. I mentioned I have been here before, but it was for a funeral. I finally remembered who it was. It was Ramsey. Uh, I think his wife's name was Rhonda. They used to attend here, I think, years ago, and they moved to Grand Prairie, started attending with us at Brown Trail, and anyhow, that's how I made my way over here before, but I know my father's been here many times. Uh, my mom heard that we were headed this way, and she wanted to come and visit y'all once again as well. You know, many faithful Christians today have a problem with accepting the fact that the saved are saved. To have a problem feeling secure in Christ Jesus. And it may very, very well be that we have a problem feeling our security in Christ today because nothing is secure. I mean, as we are sitting here right now, we know good and well that someone may very well be emptying out our bank accounts. Now, I'm not saying get your smartphone out and start checking things, but we know that could happen. We know by sitting here right now, someone may be hacking our social media accounts, and who knows what they'll say or post on our behalf. As we're sitting here right now, there may be someone trying out your favorite recliner at home, trying to decide if 
they should take that one along with everything else. We really don't understand security today. That's why we buy insurances and that's why we take medicines and such like that. But the reality in the end, nothing on planet Earth really is secure when it comes to this physical realm of things that we understand. And that may be one of the reasons why many people today doubt their security in Christ Jesus. But Romans chapter 8 was written for us. And one of the reasons it was written was to remind the saved that the saved are saved. And to remind the saved that as long as we remain in Christ Jesus, all will be well with our souls. In Romans chapter 8, there are seven reasons here as to why we can find security or know that we have security in Christ. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, we can read that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. In Romans chapter 8 and in verse 6, the Bible teaches us that there is security in Christ. And the reason there is security in Christ, because our hearts and our minds have been spiritually transformed. In chapter 8 and verse 6, the Bible says to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Thirdly, we can see another reason why our salvation is secure in Christ is because we, chapter 8 and verse 15, are adopted as children of God. You know, I've seen this before. I hope I never see it again. Children waiting at an orphanage or children waiting at a foster home, just waiting for the day for someone to come and take them home. And they do. And for some odd reason, within days, they return the person like a pair of jeans at pennies. Can you imagine being a child and going through something like that? But those of us who have been adopted in Christ Jesus today, we can know and understand that he is never going to turn his back upon those of us who continue. And that's very important to understand there. Those of us who continue to call upon his name as directed in scriptures. Number four, we could see another reason why we are secure in Christ today. And that is found in chapter 8 and verse 18 because we are destined. That is our destiny. To receive glory. In chapter 8 and verses 26 and 27, we see a fifth reason as to why our salvation is secure in Christ. And that is because we have the Spirit who is on our side. And notice what the Bible teaches us there in Romans chapter 8, 26 and 27. Specifically, it's talking about the interceding nature of the Spirit and how He intercedes on our behalf in prayers. And helping us in our prayer lives. I mean, the reality is we've had some great prayers offered here this morning. But there's just something as humans that we lack. And as long as we have been baptized in the Christ, one of the gifts that we have today from the Holy Spirit is that he takes our prayers. He shapes and molds them somehow, formulates them somehow. Don't ask me how. The Bible doesn't say. But he helps us make our prayers more appropriate to the Father above. And then in verses 29 and 30, we can see that God also has predestined 
that the obedient be glorified. And the Bible says in verse 30 that the justified, and for those who are justified, that will be glorified. And then he concludes in verses 31 to 39. The last reason as to why our salvation is secure in Christ Jesus today. And it is because of the love of God. Well, this hymn here, these verses here in verses 31 to 39, they are a hymn of security. And the theme of verses 31 to 39 is very clear. The theme is that there is no entity, whether the entity is cosmic, physical, temporal, there's nothing that can actually separate the saved from God. There is nothing that can keep him from accomplishing his desire and his will, and that is to save those who are going to be faithful to him unto death. Revelation chapter 2 and in verse 10. Now, notice in verse 31. In verse 31, the Bible starts out with saying, What shall we then say to these things? You know, this phrase is used seven times in the book of Romans. And it is used when Paul is trying to drive home a point. He, it's emphatic. He wants you to know that what he just said is important. We can see another example of this in Romans chapter 6 and in verse 1. After Paul concluded talking about justification and talking about faith and talking about the relationship of that and our salvation and sin. And there were some false doctrines going around where people were basically saying, well, if we have grace, then we have a freedom to sin. So therefore, Paul starts in Romans chapter 6 and verse 1 and he says, what shall we say to these things? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And what did he answer to that? God forbid. So in other words, Paul, once again in this book, he is solidifying a point. He's making a point that he wants us all to know and to understand. And the point is simple. So long as we continue to be steadfast and unmovable, Always abounding in the work of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58. Well, we don't have to worry about our salvation. God is going to take care of the rest. You know, my mother here not too long ago, right after dad passed, someone decided to steal her identity. They redirected her mail. It was going to somewhere in Dallas. God bless Dallas. <laughs> and as well as that, uh, they opened credit cards. They were charging things to here and there in her name. And it was just a mess. They got in her checking, got in her savings. She closed the accounts, switched to another account. And guess what happened the next week? The reality is we can't trust planet Earth. We can't trust if we're going to make it home. We can't trust that someone's not out there taking your vehicle as we speak. But there is one that we can't. And the reality is he will and he shall keep his word. Now notice in verse 31, he continues and says, If God be for us, then who is going to be against us? If God is for us, and he is, then who can convince God not to save the saved? Now we do need to understand based off of this verse that, that, that God's not for everybody. He's not. 
We can see that in Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9 and in verse 40. Here the Bible teaches us that there are two possible positions as far as our relationship with the Almighty God. And Jesus said in Mark chapter 9 and verse 40, For he who is not against us is for us. Meaning, there are those out there who are against him, and there are those out there who are for him, pro him. And if we are against him, then therefore he is against us, and there is no peace between us and him. But if we are for him, well, he's pro us. I like it when the powerful is pro me. Feels good, right? Well, there's none more powerful than him. And if you just happen to be here this morning and you are not in a relationship with him, he sees that as being against him. Now, you do not need to leave that away. Paul even teaches us in Romans chapter 5 and in verse 1 that even though we may have been against him, we could still be justified. Our relationship with Christ can be healed and it can be healed as Paul wrote in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1 by faith, obedient faith. And if we have that faith, then he says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, then we can be at peace with God. Those of us in Christ are at peace with God. And this peace that God offers, my friends, it's not subjective peace. It's not unicorns and rainbows, a a good feeling deep down in our belly somewhere. This peace that God offers is objective peace. And what that means is this. When we are in sin, well, the sword is drawn. And God's waiting the appointed time. But if we are no longer in sin... And because of our faith, we become obedient to the plan that we need to obey in order to be saved. Then God takes that sword and he sticks it right back in his sheath. He's given us objective peace. So therefore, if you're not in Christ today, it is baptism that puts you in Christ. Galatians chapter 3 and in verse 27. And if we are in Christ, then God is on our side. The psalmist said, and he wrote in Psalm chapter 56 and in verse 9, he said, this I know, that God is for me. In Psalm 118 and in verse 6, Psalm 118 and verse 6, he says, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can people do to me. And that is the background here of Romans chapter 8. If God is for us, then who? Who in all of creation, spiritual and temporal, who can be against us? Well, what does this mean if God is for us? In verse 31. What that means is God has predetermined a gospel plan. And he has predetermined to send his son to this earth. And if we obey the plan that he has brought, then God has adopted you. He has made you part of his family. You then get those inheritance rights and you have been taken from the enemy's side to God's side. Well, then what does it mean who is against us? Well, that means 
that there's absolutely nothing that can change God's mind about you. And there's a lot of things that can do it. There is sword. There is disease, there's famine, there's nakedness, there's world systems, there are sinful people, there is Satan, there are his demons. They hate our faith. They hate the truth that we stand for. And we have lots of enemies. But just because we have lots of enemies doesn't mean we need to run from God. And it doesn't mean that we will be lost. It's probably better to say it this way. That if we are in Christ, then who does it matter? What does it matter? Who is against us? Is there anyone out there? Is there anything out there that can undermine the security that we have in Christ Jesus today? But God wants us to know we have security today. And it's not because I say so. And it's not because we feel it. But God wants us to know that we have security today and that that security is based on the facts. Based on the facts. Well, what are the facts that our salvation is secure in Christ today? The first fact that our salvation is secure is found in chapter 8 and verse 32. Chapter 8 and verse 32. And here the Bible teaches us that he did not spare his own son. You know, we change our minds about people from time to time. I could meet you for the very first time, and you might think to yourself, man, I could never be friends with that Heath. Don't worry, you're not the first one to think that. And after a while, I might just grow on you, and you just might like me. And there are people you meet from time to time, and you think, wow, that's going to be my buddy. That's going to be my pal. And then you get to know them. You know, we often change our minds about things today. And sometimes, if I, I guess you, you want me to be honest, right? Sometimes I change my mind about myself. And I don't even like myself very much. You know, we all understand this concept that we can get tired of a mess, tired of a person, maybe even tired and think there's no way that God can save me. But verse 32 teaches us that if we are faithful in Christ, he is going to save us because he did not spare his son. Now, we are his sons. We are his daughters. But the relationship between Jesus and the Father is different. It is unique. Jesus is the only one of his kind. And the point is, is God is not going to allow the death of Jesus to go in vain. He's not going to allow Jesus to have stood or be hung on that cross as long as he was to hang there in all that pain. He's not going to allow that to go to waste. If he said he's going to save us, then we can rejoice in the fact today that if we are in Christ, then our salvation is secure. But secondly, in verse 32, the phrase he did not spare his own son. This also comes to us from the book of Genesis, chapter 22. Genesis 22 and verse 16. You may remember there that God was testing Abraham, if you will. Abraham, do you love me more than these? As was asked of Peter. Prove that you love me more than him. And in Genesis chapter 22 and verse 16, God told Abraham, you did not spare your son your only son. You see, the difference between the father and Abraham 
is that the father saw Abraham's faith was pure and he gave a substitute. And therefore Isaac did not have to die. But as far as we are concerned from today, Jesus, Jesus, his son, well, he wasn't saved from death. He died on that cross for each and every one of us, the ultimate expression of God's love toward us. And therefore, if we are in Christ today, we are saved. Why? Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. Romans 5 and verse 8. Because God demonstrates his, his love for us that while we were yet enemies, Christ did what? What did he do? Christ died for us. So ultimately... Who killed Jesus? Well, yes, our sins. Yes, that was a part of it. But ultimately, who killed Jesus so that you could be saved? It wasn't Judas for greed. It wasn't Pilate for fear. It wasn't the Jews out of envy. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. Who killed Jesus? The Father. Why? Because he loved you. He loves you. And he loves you enough that he sent his son to die on that cross for you. He is pro-you. And he's never going to get tired of the faithful. Now, if we go back to Romans chapter 8 and in verse 32. The Bible then says, How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Meaning, if God's going to give us Jesus, he's going to give us everything else. This is the argument called the greater to the lesser. To illustrate this real quick, I've already mentioned I'm a fundraiser for the school. And let's say you decide this morning you want to help the school out for forever. And you want to donate a huge sum of money that we can invest and live off dividends and pay salaries and all that good stuff in perpetuity. So you decide you're going to come up to me and you hand me a million dollar check in an envelope. A million dollar check in an envelope. That's great. Who is then going to turn around and say, now when you get back to the school, that envelope, send it back to me. I really need that thing. You know, that thing that costs 0.006 cents. I've got to have it back. The greater to the lesser. If you're going to give someone a million dollars, are you going to worry about the envelope in which the check is found in? Absolutely not. So if God is going to give us the, his son to die on the tree for us, do you think he's going to withhold the spiritual blessings we need, the spiritual help we need, in order to be steadfast and unmovable? Do you think he's going to withhold salvation from us? His infinite love cannot change because he gave us the son. He's not going to hold anything back. He's not going to waste the death of his son. A second fact in verse 33 is that Satan cannot undermine your position before God. Notice in verse 33, the Bible says, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. You know, there's a lot of people today that would make accusations against you. They don't like you. They don't like me. They don't like what we're doing here. And if they could stand before God and tell God that they hate us because we stand against gay marriage, they would do what? They would do that. If they could stand before God and say, God, we don't think you should save that congregation over there because, you know, they believe in baptism. 
there would be people that would take those accusations to him. Satan accuses us every day. In Revelation chapter 12 and in verse 10, we can see that he is the accuser of whom? He is the accuser of the brethren. And he stands before God day and night making accusations against us. But let's say Satan makes a good charge against us. Let's say that he knows some skeletons about us. Well, the reality is, verse 33 teaches us, in Christ, who can lay any charge before God? Satan can't trick God. People may hate you and make accusations against you, and they can trick your neighbors. They can trick your friends. And they've done that, right? People have lied about you before, right? Spread gossip about you and cause someone to turn against you. Satan can't do it. God is too big for that. God is too wise for that. God is too smart for that. He's too mighty for that. The reality is in Christ Jesus, we are Teflon. We're Teflon Christians. And then we drop down to verse 34. And we can see that our security in Jesus is based on facts. And the next fact is your salvation is secure because of what Jesus has done for you. What has he done for you? Notice in verse 34. The Bible says that Christ Jesus, he's the one who died. But even more, he has been raised. And he is at the right hand of God and intercedes for you. Jesus is not going to change his mind. Why is he not going to change his mind? Because he died for you. Chapter 8 and verse 3. He's not going to change his mind because he was risen from the grave for you. Romans 4 and verse 25. He's not going to change his mind because he's at the right hand of God today mediating for you. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. He is our intercessor as we see here in Romans chapter 8 and verse 34. He's the only mediator, intercessor between God and man, 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. And I love this one. Well, I love them all, but this one's, I, we got some English folks in here. This one's even gooder. I want to rub them the wrong way. This one's gooder. Hebrews 7 and verse 25. The bottom of the verse says, he lives to make intercession for us. Friends, what do you live to do? I know we live for Christ, but that concept of living, we understand that, Right? What does that mean? That means that's your heart's desire. That means that's what's always on your mind. Some people live to fish. Some people live for the cowboys, and I'm sorry. And some people, they live for their grandchildren. And some people live for architecture, painting, whatever. Jesus lives. He lives to sit on the right hand of God and to make intercession for you. Remember Matthew 10 and verse 32? If you confess my name before men, I'm going to do what? And he's sitting there on the right hand of God and he's saying, Father, look at that sister. She teaches Bible classes. She helps the widows down the road. She helps the poor. That one's one of ours. Father, look at this man over there. Father, he, 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 he wants to be a deacon someday. He wants to be an elder someday. He's trying to do the best that he can to help lead the congregation and work within, within the realms of the church. And he looks at the Father and says, Father, that one's one of ours. Complete in him what we have started. He lives to do that. I'm from Northeast Ohio. 
I live for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. When they moved in 96, my wife and I had only been married for two years. When they moved in 96, that Art Modell character, when he took them from Cleveland to Baltimore, I looked at her and I said, honey, there is no reason to live in America any longer. So we moved to Africa. And we lived there for seven years. That's what I lived for. And we get our one win every year. He lives for you. So friends, our security in Christ today, we need to understand there is absolutely nothing in this temporal realm or spiritual realm that can change it. Not tribulation, not distress, not persecution, not famine, nakedness, sword. God's given us everything we need to overcome those things today. So as long as you are in Christ, understand your salvation is secure and we are at peace with God because the Spirit of God indwells in us, because we are mortifying the deeds of our body, because the Spirit intercedes, 8 and verse 26, Jesus intercedes, chapter 8 and verse 34, and because all of these spiritual gifts have been given to us, now, chapter 8 and verse 38 and 39, the Bible says, starting in verse 38, 37, and all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. That's all we're going to read. We're more than conquerors. And if you're here this morning and you are doubting God's love for you, and you are in the church and you are saved, don't do that. He's not going to change his mind. Now, if we change ours, that's a whole different ballgame then, right? That's another sermon. (laughs) But if we are in him, he'll never do it. Your spouse may walk out on you. Your children may walk out on you. The world may walk out on you. He'll be right there by your side. But if for some odd reason you were in Christ and you have moved away, he's still there. And today would be a perfect morning to come home. But I also, as we noted in the beginning of this sermon, if perhaps you are here and you are not in him today, that as Mark 9 teaches us, you're at odds with him. But you don't need to leave here at odds with him. Not at all. You can leave here in a saved relationship with him where you can feel like a superhero, not because you have any powers, but because he's given you everything from above that you need to be saved. Well, what do I got to do? It's not difficult. He's not saying climb a 20,000-foot cliff with, filled with ice and water without any equipment. All he is saying to do is let your faith work. Confess the name of Jesus before men, and he'll confess you to the Father. The greatest throne ever. Repent of your sins and to be baptized for the remission of them, Acts 2 and 38, and then you can begin the most secure walk that eternity has ever known, being Christ-like. Come now, we stand and sing. Hear the sweet voice.